0: I'm locked, I'm locked up done. in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow could that zone will come
1: Good evening and welcome to the Stop Child Abuse Now show and this is scan number 3270. That's 3270-3270. I'm Carol Levine and I will be running this show tonight. And we do have a guest, her name is Dr. Tina Medina Um, She's been on once before, I remember her from years ago, a couple years ago, whatever And um, I'm glad she's here tonight Now, before we get started with the show, first of all, this is scan number again, 3270 And if you want to call in, feel free to do that That's 646-595-2118 646-595-2118 So she's going to tell her story first and then we'll get into um, what they're doing. I've looked at her website, and she's very busy, <laughs> and I'm going to let her tell all of that, okay? Okay, so let me read the mission statement, and then we'll get started. Oop, I touched my computer the wrong way. You dumb board, you. Oh, well. Okay. We have a soundness purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect, And we do so two different ways. Number one is educating the public, and that's especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. And believe me, it does. Number two is offering hope for healing to numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. The next night I I do a show, okay, and we don't have a a guest. Um, I'm going to be speaking about prevention, intervention, and recovery because um, we stand by it, we believe in it, and, and that's what it's all about here at NASCA is the prevention and the intervention and the recovery for the the adults who are survivors Okay, very important All three of them are very important So um, I have my co-host with me Okay, that's uh, Lori Purcell And Philip is here And our guest is here So we're all ready to go So um, why don't you tell us uh, about yourself and, and then we'll get into other things a little later on Okay,
2: go ahead Gina Yes, yes. Uh, when I was 10 years old, uh, my uncle, who was my um, dad's sister's husband, uh, had molested me. And he um, molested me about probably five or six times. And it it was a very uh, scary experience because as a 10-year-old who was not aware of um, you know sexual touch or sexuality or any of that uh, to be touched in that way was very it was very frightening and uh, as a child I was just in a point of um, like terror you know because he told me not to tell anyone and I did not and um every time I was around him I felt like I was walking on eggshells and um then my mom died at 14. So it was kind of like trauma upon trauma. And it wasn't until I was 32 that I had the strength to tell my dad and my family what happened. And because my uncle was still alive, uh, some of my family members confronted him and told him to, you know, leave me alone. And uh, because his wife had died, and when his wife died, um, for some reason, it was just really bizarre that he started to come around my home. And I reached out to my sister and my aunt, and they just told him to leave me alone. And uh, the guy that I was dating uh, literally stopped him at the, I think it was like at the dollar store, and told him, listen, you know, I know what you did to Tina as a child, as a little girl, and don't even go near her, right? Don't go near the house. Don't go near her, period. And if you do, um, you know, then you got to deal with me. So as a 10-year-old, um, I think we are in a state of being what I call emotionally frozen, right, in time. And it's not until later on that we have the strength and the courage and the ability to then tell our story. Um, And to be, you know, gain our own sense of freedom. Um, And so at 32, um, I was getting my, I was getting my master's and then I received my PhD and I decided to write a whole book series from uh, that 10 year old perspective. And there's a book called Why Me to the adult. And so I ended up pouring my heart into these books to be able to help others, right? So let's say you have a 10-year-old or a 14-year-old or a 16-year-old who wants to uh, be able to gain this book and tell their story immediately and begin that healing process because I believe that from our pain of our past, we can process it in a way that we not only recover, like you talked about, but we can then – extend an olive branch to others and to help them. And so my whole philosophy is um, these books are my little give back to the world to say, okay, if you're a 10-year-old, here's your book. If you're a 15-year-old, here's your book. If you're an early adult, here's your book, and here's your writing journal. Uh, to be able to give back in a loving, kind way, because we all know that our journey has been painful. But yet, if we can grow from that experience and process our own pain, because really, writing these books allowed me to process my pain. And it took about 15 years to do that. So, it's, to me, it's all that whole full circle element, right, of, of processing our pain and reaching out to others that need the help uh, immediately. So, we give back in a very uh, loving way, but also we understand We understand the pain of being a child and being molested um, by a relative, and we understand the shame that goes with it, but we also understand that uh, somehow, some way, we gain that inner strength to move forward.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. And I couldn't agree with you more. Um, There comes a time in our life, I mean, I know, I know, that um, at the age of 16, I think it was, I had, uh, like, I was talking to myself. I was I was so angry at my family because my mother knew what was happening with my brother, and um, she didn't care. <laughs> she said things like this happen in families. And Before that, I was in a pedophile house, and I got, you know, I don't know how many times he touched and molested me, and, and um, all kinds of stuff. That's a story in itself, and it's disgusting, and it just makes me mad, okay? I do believe he's yeah. in hell, all right? Makes me feel better. I believe yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, because children are, are a gift from God, and if you do things like that to children, then you're spitting in God's face. That's the way I look at it, okay? So, um, anyway, there's a lot of us who have been abused horribly, you know, over the many, many, many years of, of trying to uh, grow up, and then we go into adulthood, and we don't know what the heck we're doing. It's just a number. Okay and, and you know When you're 18 years old You are not a grown up And when you're 21 years old You're not a grown up And you make poor choices We do all kinds of stuff And um Then I, I remember Just walking around And walking around I want to twist this one's head I want to stab that one Yeah that's what I was saying out loud I, I, want, to, I want to do this to that one I want to do I want to turn that one's head around Like the exorcist <laughs> Okay And I want to do this And that and that So um Finally, I just dropped to the floor, Tina. I was so tired.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: So tired of hating. And, and look, we we all have a reason to hate, to feel hatred towards, I mean, we're people, you know, to, to feel uh, anger and all this other stuff against our, our perpetrators, whoever they are. And they do say, studies show this, that... Um, When the perpetrators are in your family, okay, um, it's harder for us to heal, and we're more apt to develop complex PTSD, which makes that even harder still, okay? So what you're telling us about your story here, um, it was a a family member, and uh, your mother had passed away, and and other things had happened, and... um, it's so hard to heal from something like that, and we have to find our way, okay? We have to find our way. Um, I happened to go to a therapist first because, uh, well, he took one look at me and said, you're a mess, and I said, yes, I am. <laughs> I knew I was a mess, you know, right? I was out mm-hmm. doing all kinds of stuff. So, um, but we have to do the work, and, and I always say I don't care which way a person goes to get their help whether it be through church, which is where the counselor was, the therapist that works with me, um, or whether it be through, um, you know, doctor shopping to find the right therapist. And that's a job in itself, isn't it? And, um, you know, whatever. So just so long as we do realize, number one, that it was never our fault, ever. And uh, number two, we do need to heal. We have to heal. Or if we don't, You're going to end up in trouble out on the streets, right? Or you're going to end up, uh, you know, uh, maybe committing suicide. I tried at 17 a year later from what I was telling you about. And um, I got caught by a friend of mine. She was supposed to be on a date, and date didn't work. She came home, caught me, and pulled me up by my long blonde hair. It was very peroxide. Oh, yes, it was, and it was very long. Mm -hmm. And she pulled me out of the house. (laughs) And I had blood dripping down my arm and all this other stuff. And we went down to a certain part of the driveway there where we had a, a greenhouse. And she put tape all around my arm to stop the bleeding. And we took off. Now that's I'm not going to say anymore because I'm not going to tell my story. But this is how tragic what you're speaking about. Whether you're ten, yeah. my whether, I, whether you're six, whether you're fourteen when the abuse starts, whatever. It it ruins our spirit. It it ruins our life. I believe so. What do you think?
2: Yes, I do believe the spirit is wounded. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's that's what one of the books is about is that I believe that when the sexual abuse occurs, our inner spirit is wounded because it's not a natural act and Mm -hmm. someone is forcing their spirit to dominate a child's spirit. And like you said, uh, the child is always innocent, and I believe that the spirit is bruised, whether you want to call it hurt, uh, broken, bruised, injured, uh, whatever verb you want to use. And it's not until the person does seek that inner healing to gain that recovery, to uh, gain that inner healing from sexual abuse. And if that comes through, like you said, traditional counseling, faith-based counseling, journaling, writing, artwork, music. However, that occurs, um, it must happen in order for the person to gain um, gain recovery to the point where they realize, um, okay, I'm I'm healing, right? The healing is beginning, uh, little by little. But it's not until that what I call like this moment in time, this very precious moment occurs in which the survivor realizes, you know, it is time that I get help, right? It is time that I process all of my pain on the back burner. It is time that I realize I can no longer ignore um, A, B, C, and D, right? We have to come to the point, and sometimes that, uh Voluntarily, and sometimes mm-hmm. um, it just it just occurs that um, you realize it, I have to process all of this pain and all of this anger and all of this bitterness and all of this lost hope. And until that happens, uh, we're kind of like on a a little mouse uh, in a circle. You know, the whole little mouse. Um, mm-hmm little uh, game, the little circle. You you, nev- you never get off the wheel until you stop life and you realize, okay, it's, it's now time that I process all of my tears, all of my pain, and it's okay. Right? We have to give ourselves that freedom and that liberty to say, okay, it's okay to process my pain. And, and my moment occurred probably when I was um, getting my – my doctorate, and I, I realized in Bible college that something was wrong, mm-hmm. and it wasn't academically or anything. It was just my spirit yearning, uh, and thank God I was in a safe environment where I was able to share and tell my story and be uh, ministered to in a positive way, and then I decided, again, writing, I believe writing is therapy. I really mm-hmm. do Right. I believe writing therapy is so powerful, I believe it's so uh, life-changing because when you can write down and process your pain, right, My, my uh, this is my hurt. These are my wounds. And when you realize, okay, I just got through writing for 20 minutes and I feel so much better, right, that yes. in itself is very powerful. And so I just encourage everyone who's listening that if you're at that moment in which you know, and we know in our hearts, okay, it's time that, you know, I, I process my pain, um, then, then all of a sudden um, other things can come to be, right, because you realize I have to share my story with someone, and that's the beauty of NASA, right, that we have this very safe, loving environment that we can talk about these issues, and still embrace one another and still be very encouraging. And that's why I love NASCA, Um, and I'm glad that I'm back, because we all need that safe, loving, caring environment that we can share our stories and be accepted and also be encouraged. And just to support one another is a beautiful thing.
1: Yes, it is, and I thank you for that. Usually I get into um, a little bit more about NASCA, you know, with the programs that we offer and, um, since the last time you were on, we do offer an awful lot of things, and um, maybe I'll talk about it a little bit later, but not right now, because this is your night to shine, honey, okay, this is your night to shine but um, but withNAzca, yeah, we're always here, I'm the night owl by the way, I'm up and um, I'm very tired right now, <laughs> I don't let you know I'm up until five, six o'clock in the morning many times to uh, answer phones, and um that's exactly what I do because people. At least they're reaching out, looking for help, You know, Okay, this is good, all right?
2: Yeah. And um,
1: so, you know, they do want help, but there's so many people out there who have been horribly abused. And we don't take uh, measuring sticks here. You know, listen, oh, she got raped twice, so that's no big deal, right? Her, you're not supposed to get sure. raped at all, right? And sure. uh, Or she got raped uh, 50 times or more. And uh, well, none of it's right. So people have to come to that that recognizing the fact, that realization that they have to get the help that they need, and then we have to do the work. I wrote that on your, your um, on your website. I saw it before, and I said, but we have to do the work because we do have to do the work. And um, sometimes that's not comfortable. But on the other hand, Tina, I don't have to tell you because when you get to the point where you know you're free, okay, from the past, okay? Yeah. Um, you know, you're a different person, and you yourself, you know, I have so much humor. I always make people laugh all the time. All right? I just do this. And and uh, I make myself laugh. <laughs> you know, it's just the way I am. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that was one of my saving grace was that God gave me so much humor, even in the midst of all kinds of weird things that happen. And... um and also music, I love music So you had mentioned music So um, I was like an athlete and also a musician Because I used to sing in New York City And um, not alone, there was five of us We were the Fab Five, yes we were <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> Yeah, so um, Yeah, hey, the limo used to come and pick us up We never had to worry about where we were going to sing Because uh, he already had that arranged That was part of his job but anyway, the point is this, we find whatever makes us happy, we have to find a happy place somewhere, because if we don't, I think our wounded spirit, and believe me, I know about wounded spirit, that's why I had that glass, piece of glass in my hand, and, and I was cutting myself, I know what the wounded spirit, what it feels like, and when you feel that hopeless, um, yeah, you've got to get help, all right, and... Uh, You know, so mine came through the church also. I mean, that helped me a lot. So let me bring on um, Lori, and then I'll I'll see if Philip has any comments, okay? Lori, go ahead. Um, It's really interesting.
3: (laughs) I'm sitting in here, and I'm trying to put my life and figure out, you know, how it connects to, you know, the two of you and everybody who's followed you, and I realize how different it is for me because, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had to take care of the family who was crazy. So, so they they messed me up already. And then they have this grandmother that they were uh, abusing that I had to take care of. So I put myself on the side. I had to move actually back to Cal- from California to take care of his grandmother. So it's ninety two years old. Um, I was put on the side, Not milk thought it was a wreck. Yeah, you know, because but the abuse in there was like just unbelievably horrible. So after that, when I got married, um, I had my like two years of freedom, you know, from them, um, which helped. I did. I do remember that I did journal. I did journal, and I did see uh, an incest therapist for like four years. But I was on a good path any which way, and then I got sidetracked. Yeah, when um, once my son was born, I, the attention on my journey to heal had to come second because he—he's a lot. He's—he's he's handicapped, He's a really handicapped. So I don't know where I fit in, but I like what you two have been able to do.
1: <laughs> One day, maybe I'll get there. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you will. And 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 you know Tina is a wonderful person to talk to. Also, you know. Um but when, once you have that sense of freedom, and, and she'll talk about all of this, okay, um, yeah. and you feel lighter. I, I feel happy. I'm alone, and I'm happy, okay? Um, if I do get bored or whatever, I, I go out, I take a ride, I go here, I go there, go see my kids, my my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. Oh, yes, I have them. Yes, I do. And they are so cute. And, of course, they're perfect, okay? they're <laughs> Perfect. But, <you> know, <laughs> Ah, yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, uh, we find a way, and uh, however which way it comes, um, it's uh, once you're healed, and you can heal, Tina, you you know you can heal. See, I don't like it when people get stuck, okay, and, uh, and they're not willing to do the work. I get a lot of calls like that, and then I get annoyed, and I have to keep myself from getting annoyed, but... Um, no, people don't have to stay stuck, and yes, you can heal from horrible, horrible, horrific abuse you can, and you know that more absolutely
2: there is inner healing uh that will take place, and your spirit can be healed uh because again, think about this, if my spirit was broken or injured or wounded, I have to go to the spirit to uh seek that healing. And once I gain that healing, then that allows me uh, to have hope and to uh, reach out for continual help to be able to live a life that, um, that is hopeful and that has encouragement and that has strength. Because I believe half of the battle is when we admit to ourselves, okay, I was sexually abused. Now it's time for me to get help, right? And, uh, again, that's realizing what happened and then reaching out for help. And then I believe there's hope in that as well. And, again, these are very personal decisions that one has to make. And they also have to decide to love themselves and to nurture themselves and to encourage themselves to be able to um, seek that help. Right, and, and, again, once you get that help, um, let's talk about hope. Well, what does hope mean? Hope is believing in something that may be on the other side of our pain. And what I mean by that is that once you process that pain and you gain that healing, um, there is life, right? There are extra days that we are given to live and to go to school, right, to help mask up to pursue our dreams and our goals, right? Life has so much to offer when we look and decide to process our pain and see what's on the other side of that pain. And that's when that self-love, that self-encouragement has to kick in because we have to be our own advocate. Uh, And I've learned that. this, This last six months, I've really learned to be my own advocate. And whether it's letting my uh, employer know, hey, when it's 100 degrees outside, I need to leave early um, because I get lightheaded. You know, just little tiny stuff that I mm-hmm. really have learned from NASA and others that it's okay to be your self advocate. It's okay to uh, state our uh, our needs in a polite, professional manner, and get those needs uh, met or granted. Uh, to move forward, and I think that's something that it's not really talked about a lot. Uh, but I, again, that's why we're here tonight with NASCA, because there is another life uh, for us when we begin to become our own advocate and our own um, our own cheerleader, so to speak. And mm-hmm. most recently, I just want to share something with you. I have been counseling uh, a young lady through Facebook, through my page, and she asked me the question. Uh, It was, you know, I don't want to go to Thanksgiving dinner. I do not want to go to Christmas. I don't want to sit next to the man who raped me uh, for all these years. And she said, I felt so much social pressure, right, to go to these events. And I told her, you don't have to go to these events because you've just begun your healing process, and it's okay to tell your family, no, I'm not going to go because, first of all, my family never has recognized the injustice that has happened in this nuclear family. And secondly, I have to love myself to remove myself from the table to gain healing, and that Mm -hmm. may take two or three years. And so it's interesting now how – this young lady really, really uh, was seeking um, the answer, right, to say, to gain that permission, you know, for her to make the decision to say, I don't want to sit at the family table anymore. I'm uncomfortable. And so when I told her it's okay to leave that table, all of a sudden um, she became empowered. So I think that's something to talk about because, her simple decision of saying, I feel so uncomfortable at this table. It's time for me to go and get healed is very powerful.
1: It is very powerful, Tina. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about that right before the show. And there's nothing. You see, people feel a little bit of guilt, and we shouldn't, all right, because I had that same problem. And um, a part of me wanted to go to the functions, the family functions when I was growing up and all this other stuff, and uh, because I wanted to see the other people, all right? And then yeah. another part of me would think, well, they're going to place me right next to my brother, and he and I would kick each other under the table. <laughs> That's what we do, you know, and see who could kick harder, all right? And uh, so, uh, But then we had a silly uh, little thing in our family, and we had a big family at that time, but when you were at a certain age, then you were allowed to go to the adult family, okay, and the rest of us had to stay at the uh, the youngster, if you will, family, okay, or a table, yeah, the little table yeah. there, yeah. and yeah, so we got separated because he turned a certain age, and then he went to the big people table. <laughs> so silly, yeah. but um, that's what they did, and um, but I still was in the same house with them. I was still in the same room with him, you know. So yeah. finally, one year, as I got a little bit older, I said, "You know what? I like those other people, but I can see them any I want. If you think about it, it doesn't have to be Thanksgiving or Christmas, you know, or, or New Year's or, or, or whatever, Easter, right? Um, it doesn't have to be. Because I don't Come want to see. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him. And if I and that's our choice, okay." So when I told that gal over there, that in the university, you know, it's our choice, I think she felt better, too. But I could tell that she felt like I did in the beginning, that she had a little bit of guilt for not showing up to the family function. Well, what was the family when we needed help? Correct. Okay? All right. Okay. So um, I had a thing about my mother because um, I told her that he wasn't leaving me alone. And like I told you before, she, her her remark was that happens in families. Well, yes, it does, but it's not supposed to. Correct. Let's go down to Philip. Yeah, let's go down to Philip because I haven't spoken to him yet. Um, do you have a question, or, or do you want to listen some more?
3: Um, I was actually going to ask Mrs. Tina. I think do you have any experience with journaling?
1: hmm With the journaling, do I have you
2: any?
3: Do you have any experience with journaling every day?
2: Yes, yes. In fact, I, I have created some journals, and I journal every single day, or at least every other day. And I believe it gives us the uh, freedom to write down whatever we want to write down and to express our, our pains and our joys and our issues. And writing is very therapeutic. Um, there are studies out there that have shown that writing is not only therapeutic, but it's helpful. And when you um, allow yourself to write in a state of just being free and writing and not necessarily uh, to be concerned with the grammar or even the sentence structure, but just to pour your heart out on paper is very powerful. And and I recommend journaling from big time and, and I also recommend art therapy as well because if we realize that journaling allows us to write stuff that we would no- normally not write about it, it really gives us the freedom to write about anything and before you know it um, a person will process their pain because it's so much a part of them it's like a um, Having a a patch right on our coat and not realizing that um, the patch may be opening, right? And so when you write, you just allow yourself to have freedom. And I encourage everyone. I in fact, I had preached about three weeks ago, and I encourage and I bought everyone at the service a little Dollar General notebook, and I said, you know, for one dollar and a good pen, it's the best therapy. You're ever going to get When you're honest and truthful to yourself About what's really bothering you And um, I believe some of them have started to write And process What's, what's hindering them mm-hmm.
1: well, Did that answer your question? Philip? Hmm?
0: Yes, thank you
1: Okay,
0: good Sorry, I'm not to live longer now
1: Okay, so um, so that's uh, yeah, so so anyway, <clears throat> a lot of people do journal. They they do a lot of different things, and uh, we do speak about that on the show a lot. To find something, to find your niche, you know what I'm saying, and yes. uh, something that, you know makes you feel comfortable. Now, Lori, there, boy, she found her niche. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about her for a second, Lori. Makes all kinds of stuff I think she deserves a medal for this She she makes all kinds of things For the uh, the preemies in the hospital She makes baby blankets um, She doesn't put her name on it They don't even know it's her She sends somebody else um, She makes pillows And um, all kinds And a lot of times they have uh, cartoon characteristics on it I think that's cute, Lori, I like that It's good for kids, you know And um, all kinds of things that she does. And uh, I I think it's um, wonderful that she does that. So this is what she does to find peace, because I'm sure she's peaceful, you know, while she's doing that. Are you peaceful? Do you find peace in doing that, Lori? Oh,
3: God. It is. It's even the best tranquilizer. Coloring, you know, you could do that, and it gets done faster for the kids. It depends on where the, you know, who I'm giving it to, which it is what I'm doing. Some things are more mm-hmm. tense, but the coloring is what attracts the, um, the kids because they're stuck in the bed. You know, they need right. something to look at. So I'm sticking mainly right now with that. I think every – I mean, thousands of people, of course, who do what I do, and I think everybody – who thinks that, you know, of it and they know they can handle whatever, a crochet hook, a needle, or whatever their their uh, talent is, should do it for the kids, you know? Mm-hmm. It, so, yeah, I mean, even though I didn't go traditionally, you know, the way um, most people go, healing, I still got mm-hmm. to the same place pretty much. I'm I'm pretty leveled off now. But uh, mm-hmm. that had to do with, you know, my little trip to heaven. I had no more anger, so I had less issues to work on. So that left me more time for the kids. That's kind right. of how I work.
1: Now, now, Dr. Tina may not understand that, but um, Lori has uh, passed away a few times because of certain conditions she had. She's had brain surgeries and all kinds of stuff. And um, she, I'm sure... Um, feels you know pretty close to uh, heaven, or at least she certainly sort of feels like she's been there. She saw it. She knows what it looks like, and and um, and then after that she started doing this. You see, so when that's
2: something beautiful. like that happens, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, that's beautiful because she's given back uh, on a level. Think about the creativity that's involved, right? And like she mentioned, the colors. I commend you, Lori, because that's beautiful. You're helping people that you don't even know, and most importantly, you're using your gifts, right? You're using your gifts, your talents, and your skills to help other people, and that's productive. So, I commend you.
3: Thank you very much. I just do my my little job here. That's it.
1: See, you know, she see you see what you see. Oh, Tina, do you hear that? Okay, she has yes. to understand. Yeah um you have to understand Lori, like um we have a doctor on the on the show and I'm a counselor and you know we understand you know the feelings of like what you're saying the tone of your voice you don't understand how much good impact that you have on other people and um with the colorization yeah. she sends me things at times the colorizations that she uses it's beautiful and she's always online so you can see the things that she makes. And um, she's right, and you're right, because uh, when you're lying there in bed, whether you're a little kid or you've made it for someone that you just simply know who's older or whatever, um, and you see all these bright colors, I think it does, it's good for the brain. You know. It's good for your, your spirit because it enlightens you. you know, it makes you feel lighter. It's happy. I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's happy.
2: Absolutely, and and your ability to create, right, that's dynamic power, right? Anytime someone creates something, that is action. That is positive energy uh, going forth, and for you to be able to create these clothes and then give them to other children, it's very, very powerful. Uh, And, again, I commend you because the act of creativity it's one thing to be creative for yourself, but when you decide to give to other people, that's a beautiful gift. And you're not going to know the impact of that uh, until you are in heaven. But just the ability to create and to give to people or children in hospitals—that that's just—it's beautiful. It's beautiful.
3: Oh, thank you. I thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. My- it was either my husband would take them or all well, this other of delivery, the methods of delivery, because I would always tell him, just don't leave my name. You know, don't have these people writing taking time to write out a thank you note when telling me or telling Ed, um, thank you, you know, get back to work. So <laughs> it sounds I know it sounds strange. Some people save all the letters, they do. Some people say ribbons. They, the, I, I don't do any of that. Uh, I don't keep track too much, you know, I, just because I know what I'm doing. And I got a brain injury and I can't count past 20.
1: <laughs> yeah, you would never know, young lady, that you have a brain injury at this point. She and I have many conversations, okay. So <laughs> um, she's probably one of the sanest, most sane people that I know. <laughs> wow. And um it is true. And um I think God has given her a gift. All right, to be able to, um, make all these things for people and she doesn't she doesn't put her she doesn't sew her name in it or anything like that. Uh, you know, her name tag or whatever. They mm-hmm. people have no idea where it's coming from. And and I think that's a gift in itself to be able to give and not expect uh, a thank you or receive back or, or, or whatever. When people are able to do that, then you're truly giving. All right, that's truly giving. And uh, I hate to tell you this, Lori, but God's watching you, and he's smiling, okay? I'll just tell you that. <laughs>
0: All
1: yeah. Right. <laughs> See there we All go. Right. Okay. This is yeah, truth, it's, well, this not, the truth. Oh.
3: Okay. So okay. the redness in my face is gone. Let's go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So <laughs> well I, I think you're probably just about done with your story. Um, let's go back a, uh, just for a second. Now, your uncle was uh spoken to by someone was that a family member or was that somebody that you who knew what was going on, I forget.
2: I think my dad had a conversation with him, and i i know and I know the man that I dated at the time had a conversation with him, and I know my aunt because literally there was one time that I was going to go walking, and I was leaving my front door, and I saw his car there, and I just froze like a little ten year old but I was wise enough to call my a sister who called my aunt and just told him to leave my house. And I think when you um, when you go back to those, I mean, I was like a little ten year old all over again. But then something snapped, and I said, "Okay, you've got to be proactive about that." And um, I called my family, and they they became my advocates. Um, and that was a beautiful moment because. I think um, all of a sudden something transcended in our family, right, That and it's hard to even talk about, but it's like when you reach out to your family and say, okay, uh, he's outside. He has no business being outside. I'm in a state of being frozen, so I need you guys to do something, and they did, um, which was beautiful. But also at the same time, I think – when you're an adult and you're confronted with, um, you know, your abuser again, it's a very delicate moment as well for me, right? It was a very um, aha moment. Um, And I think we we do go back to that little 10-year-old for a couple Mm -hmm. seconds. And then we realize, okay, snap out of it uh, because you have to be proactive and my the guy that I was dating, um, he was very firm. Uh, and so literally the next time I was walking, my uncle literally came down the street in his car, but he did a U-turn, and he never bothered me again. And that moment, seeing his car go the other direction, was just so powerful. Um, yeah. Because I knew that, see, once you tell your family... Um, I believe there should be some type of advocacy that happens. And I believe uh, it's very powerful when it does. And so that left me with a really good feeling. And so when I had told my family about my books, that I was going to write these books, there was never any pushback, right? In fact, my sister has one of my books in her home, and she always says, hey, here's Tina's book, here's Tina's book. And there's beauty in that because once you're free to tell your story and you're free to help others, uh, just like Lori with her artwork, right, and her gifts, once you're free to create and to give, again that that's full circle, right? That's some powerful stuff because you're not limited, right? Nobody tells Lori how to how to create her clothes. Right. Nobody showed me other than the Holy Spirit on how to write my books, but again, When we create these products or gifts and we give them uh, or at least offer them to the public, again, we're talking some really profound, uh, powerful stuff that comes from pain.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. And and you know what? Um, You you say such wonderful things and you're so easy to talk to. I really love having you on the show. And I do hope you come back more, okay? Okay. Yes, because, yes, uh, you know, because we could absolutely use your um, enthusiasm and, and also, too, you make so much sense, okay? You just simply do. But um, what I wanted to say also, too, is that, yes, she has a gift. Um, we all have gifts. A lot of us do. Uh, maybe all of us do. Maybe a lot of people haven't come in contact yet with their gift because they they haven't gone so far enough yet in their healing journey. So for them who do listen, if there's people listening tonight, say on, on the computer, a lot of times that does happen. You're giving them hope, Tina, and and, and also you too, Lori, because with your creativity, and uh, with um and your kindness, okay, um and and then also with uh, Doctor Tina Medina, I mean you know what she does, she's starting a ministry, she's she's building it. I mean I was looking at your website. And and I saw the, um, the the construction that's going on, okay. And um, yeah. why don't you tell us about it and and how many people are involved and what you what you want to do? And I might have a couple of questions from you because I I read your website and I was getting mad <laughs> because yeah. of of a couple of things you were saying on there, um, you know about people how awful they are, you know, with their um, ludicrous sickness of being a pedophile. You had some, um, some things on your website, and I'd like to discuss that, too. Um, so sure. go ahead. Tell, tell, us, tell us about, first of all, tell us about what you're doing. Go ahead.
2: What we're doing is for the last, I believe, four or five years, uh, we've created a nonprofit organization in which we produce television shows that are free to the public, and we encourage them how to gain. Uh, sexual abuse recovery from a spiritual perspective, how to journal, how to encourage themselves, how to recognize their pain, and how to move forward. And uh, we were awarded a grant, and we're building a brand-new studio because my first studio was tiny in my office, and the walls echoed, the room echoed. So we are now building a brand-new studio, and we're almost finished, and that will allow us to have... Season three, in which I can have guests on the show, and we could literally um, talk about face-to-face uh, sexual abuse recovery or traditional um, sexual abuse recovery, and just to help people and to give them a, everything that's going to be on YouTube, so people can go to YouTube and let's say they don't want to go to a counselor, or they don't, or they can't afford a counselor, or they don't trust a counselor. This will give them about oh our goal is to have like about 200 plus uh, 30 minute programs or 28 30 minute programs uh, so they can get for free and just watch and just see um, testimonies and examples of people who have survived sexual abuse and are moving forward um, and this it's a very it's very special to me because it allows us me to put my book material on a television format and have these videos out there forever. Uh, so let's say someone just needs help. Well, we can shoot them the link and say, okay, let, look at the YouTube channel. Maybe that can be encouraging for you.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's very important. See, I, I'm all about the visual. I mean, I, I wrote a book uh, years ago, and I made it to Japan. I'm really proud of that. I'm thankful for that too. But um on yeah. But on the other hand, when when you see a movie like that movie that's out and everybody's going to see finally that Hollywood held on to for five years. Um what was that? The Sound of Freedom I think it's called, yes. But anyway, um <laughs> when when you have uh, also too, you know, a movie that's been made and and the guy who is really the narrator, but more than that, he's also an actor in in the in the um, movie. He was, he was a victim too. He was he's a survivor, and he was working with an organization that um, went and got the children as they as much as they could who were trafficked it out. Okay, this organization works for that. That's what they were doing. That was their that's what they did, and this guy was so committed. Uh, Tina, if you can have a chance to see that movie, go see it, all right? Um, I will, I will. Yes, yes. You know, I was afraid that maybe there would only be two people or something like that in the movie theater. I was with my daughter. And instead it was packed. You couldn't, it was like sardines. Do you know how good that is for us, we the survivors? Yes. 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 So that means that, like, say, from when I wrote my book, which was years ago now, like 2010, that was the second writing of it. Um, from that time to this time, I can't believe it's twenty twenty three. Oh my god! I don't even know what the were those years went. Okay, I don't want to think about it. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, um, you know, um, the point is that there's been a huge change now. It's starting to happen. It's starting to happen, where people are starting to recognize that a hundred and fifty billion dollar industry and trafficking every year. This is disgusting. And what do you think that does Tina, to the spirit of a child when when they're taken and they're grabbed and they're put and they have to you know have sexual contact with maybe 5 to 10 people a day or something and, and say they're they're 10 years old. How do you think that child feels? It's
2: horrible. I mean yeah, it it, it is horrible and I don't even want to – I haven't watched the movie yet, and I've been kind of uh, putting it off, but – because I know there's going to be – it's one thing to write a book about sexual abuse that happens to a child. Um, Let's say it it happens, but the child is not trafficked, right? A sexual abuse child who has been sold, and this is done consciously, that – to me, that is a whole different realm, and uh, the impact, right, and the, the schedule and all of that, it, it's just a miracle that those children are still alive, right, That's and right. they can cross that, because to me, it's, it's a whole different uh, element, and it, it's a shame, and it's very harmful that we live in a world that sees children as commodities. You know, shame on all of those um, traffickers. Because the you know, innocence and the beauty of a child is just too precious. We, It's just unthinkable.
1: It is unthinkable. And, see, I started at 6, you know, with all kinds of problems. You were 10. And by the time I was 10, I was already kidnapped and raped with someone else. I mean, living in New York and everything. And um, and then it went on and on and on. L'Oreal, every once in a while, she'll say, Carol, did it ever stop? <laughs> you know, because there was just so much. That's why it's complex, you know, uh, PTSD. But anyway, the point yeah. is this. With with even just one now, me Miss Tough Lady, okay, I'm the tough one on the show, <laughs> okay, and and I tell it like it is, and I will come out with things like this because this is the world that we live in, okay,
0: yeah,
1: and yeah. and so it's something that has to be looked at. You can't just walk away from it, and um, but by the time I was at the end of that movie, Miss Tough Girl started to cry. Oh yes, I did. Me? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, I, I'm not going to say, well, maybe I did get triggered. I don't know. I was not getting triggered. I just felt very sad. I was looking at this little girl on a bed, and I thought, my God, that's me. Okay. And that was at the yeah. very end of the movie. She got saved, all right? I'm not going to tell you anymore because I want you to go see the movie, all right? <laughs> but um, so anyway, um, it, it's a very important movie, and Hollywood held on to that. For five years, you've probably heard that by now, yeah. and um, or yeah, and of course we know why because in Hollywood, um, I remember hearing years ago if if you wanted a better part, you know, in a in a show or in a play or in a movie, you had to do certain things on the couch, didn't you? Yeah, and it, it didn't matter if you were just a kid playing a kid's part. You know, if you wanted to get further, you know, in in the movie industry, you had to do certain things. So, you see, that's another reason, too, why they didn't want that to get out because there was too much much commotion with that. So, you know, we we think, you know, you're going to go to Disney World, you're going to go to Disneyland, and there's so many um, perpetrators there. They found that out now just recently in the last couple of years. And, um, And everywhere you go, there's pedophiles. So there's so many kids at risk So many kids at risk um, And so many things that they have to learn The parents I'm really working on the parents now Because the parents have to get over that goofy feeling Of um, it's not going to happen to my kid Number one And uh, number two also um, I, I want my child to stay innocent for as long as they can, because the world, once they get older, they'll see you as an innocent. What about the years before that, dummy? How many kids get kidnapped, or how many kids get sexually abused before the age of even seven? Okay. Correct. So, I mean, we we don't live in a world that's safe. So, what you're building, what you're constructing, your and the books that you speak about, and and all the things that you have spoken about is just so helpful. Because we have to teach the parents to be better parents. Um, I so play it, them to it, role
2: play. Go ahead. Go ahead. And to be conscious, just to be conscious of um, sexual perversion. I mean, let's be honest, right? We have to be, we have to call it what it is. And if right. someone is uh, has a sexual deviation or sexual perversion towards children, I believe sometimes it manifests, and parents are just not aware of it, right? If you have an older adult, and I mean an adult, having interest in children, um, like going to get ice cream, right, or just uh, always being near them, or having uh, access to your kids, and you just take that for granted. I don't; those days are over, right? Because. I think parents just have to be on guard and just very conscious of Absolutely. their children and that they are valuable and that um, maybe they don't spend the night at everybody's house, right? Maybe um, they're just extra cautious because what we're talking about is just like what you said earlier in the mission statement, it's an epidemic, yeah. right? If you have 60 million adults who were um, sexually abused with children that still continues to today and so we have to be very proactive and very um, resource center to help these children early on but also when you you know I'd love to hear uh, some some comments regarding prevention right because right. this stuff just doesn't happen um, and, and our one thing is, our parents telling their children, "Listen, there is inappropriate touch. Right? Mm-hmm. No one should be touching your private parts, and nobody should be putting pressure on you or telling you anything sexual." Um, you know, even as a child, and those are those are red flags. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I know now uh, the schools are talking about inappropriate trust. I mean, in, inappropriate touch and what's uh, appropriate and what's not to children, which is good. Because I think if we would have introduced that, you know, 50 years ago, uh, the outcomes may have been different.
1: Well, we don't know, you know, because don't forget, people didn't report back then. They'd always shove things under the rug, you know. And uh, I was the type of kid that I would put my ear against the door because the adults would have the adult time, and it was a swinging door, and I'd put my ear against the door because I wanted to hear where I was going to go and live because my there was a lot of divorce in my family and all that stuff I and mean, alcohol, alcohol and all this sort of stuff. And, and uh, so I'm trying to hear what the adults are saying. And someone on the other side pushed a swinging door and I went flying. <laughs> okay, oh, because no. uh, I was I was trying to listen. I was trying to eavesdrop. And uh, I didn't do that again. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> but the point is. But that's how they treated it back then. If they spoke about it at all, it was behind closed doors. Children were not yeah. to be told anything. And 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 that's just the way it was, you know. So then you have these kids that go out into the world, and they're not prepared for the good, the bad, and the ugly, which I always say on the show, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And... um and then there, you know, people. Well, Matt might come up to them. A guy might come up to him and say, "Hey, you want some candy?" The kid'll say, "Sure." Oh boy, candy! I love candy. And before you know it, he's got the kid. You know, and away they go. That's it. Boom, gone.
0: Exactly. Just like that.
1: But you know, it happened back then too. It's just I don't think it was publicized as much because it was swept so much under the rug. How much less it happened back then, I couldn't tell you. I don't know if there is even a number for that. I'm going to look into that because I do a lot of research. I'm going to do that. I'm going to see what the numbers were 50 years ago and what they are today just for the heck of it later on. But the point is, don't forget, the numbers that we know today are known numbers, okay, because still a lot of people, you know, don't listen. They, 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 they you know, they don't want to talk about it. And um, so to go into the movie theater and have it jam-packed, I was so thankful because it shows that, okay, there's still a lot of people that don't want to talk about it, but then there are those who are at least interested in seeing, and then maybe they'll talk about it. So the parents really have to be taught, you know, just teach your kid, you know, not to take candy from a stranger or um, how to cross the street. You teach them about What's out there, the red flags And we have that on our NASCA website I'm going to bring that up for a second And give it back to you Because, um, yeah, people have to learn this Um, We have our NASCA website N-A-A-S-C-A dot org That's NASCA dot org If you go to our website You'll see red blocks And the red blocks uh, Each one has a different topic in it Go all the way over to the right hand side And not the last block But the one right next to it Click onto it, and that's where you're going to find prevention, intervention, and recovery. You're also going to find David Pittman, things that he's written, and I think they're quite good. And uh, what, what happens is kids want, you know, people ask me, even they'll ask me, they'll, and because they know I work with this, um, what's the right age to start telling your, your child about, you know, the perpetrators out there, the red flags and all this stuff. And first of all, teach them about their bodies. Listen, Tina. When I was in, in the in the police department um, after I got kidnapped and raped,
2: um,
1: they'd had they say, "Well, what did he do to you? Well, I couldn't I?" Didn't have words for it. So well, where did he touch you? Well, I didn't have names for it. Okay, all well, I could do was yeah. point. Okay, and we're doing our kids a disservice. Um, and, and also he goes into that Teach him the name of your body parts Because you have a head You have a neck you, You're a little girl You have a breast You have a tummy You have your knees And all in the same You see my monotone way of saying it You have your knees You have your legs you have. There's none of that Hee hee ha ha Giggle stuff All right Correct. Let it, Correct It's a part of your body This is what God gave us This is what he gave us And it, it should be looked at As another part that God gave us all right. So then children, they're not stuck if they get, you know, into a predicament like I and so many others have. Um of of having to point and feeling confused and scared and not knowing the names of things and they're standing there, um, and they're you know and they're with the guns hanging and everything, you know, asking, Well, where did he touch you, little girl? What happened? Ooh, all this stuff, you know what I'm saying? So it's good good for children to be educated, and this is where the parents who care, and I'm going to put it that way. I just told you why I'm doing that. It's good for um, the parents, all right, to learn the proper way to parent their children. And with the world that we live in today, um, uh, they better start teaching them the proper way because there's just so much of it out there you know so much but i did notice on your website and i had written it down but i've moved papers all over the place since then <laughs> you should see my office right now but um there were things there about uh things that were making people angry and i think it was um about the pedophiles and uh what do you have on your website let's talk a little bit about that
2: there are two places what i do is i have taken this web the facebook page website is like almost twelve years old, and I'll, let me take that back. Almost thirteen, and I made it a point to uh, every headline that I saw regarding child sexual abuse. I would take the story and I would post it on Facebook because it lets people know um, what's going on, and um, it just it's like a news news update in regards to children and sexual abuse. And Mm -hmm. what I've seen over time is there's a movement, and it's not subtle anymore, to normalize um, adults having sex with children. That's That's the one, yes. Mm -hmm. Correct. And so very, very... um, you know, just because see, I'm a new, I'm a reporter at heart, right? I was a journalist um, mm-hmm. and a reporter, so I I will take the headlines and I'll post them and I'll make my comments, and other people will comment too. But we have to be very, very um, aware of what's going on, and I I commend the producers of this movie because they're letting people know of this international travesty that's helping – that's um, affecting children but in my little tiny way by posting these stories it just lets people know right what is going on and how can we get involved and how can we do our part even on a small level because the days of ignoring um, sexual abuse are over right it's becoming more prominent and I think by doing tiny stuff every day and um, as long as we can reach out to people and help people and educate them, they're in life the power and they're in life the help and also they're in life the love, right, for someone else who may not know. Um, are there resources out there for me? Like NAFTA, you know, are there resources out there for me in which I can process my pain and I can overcome sexual abuse? So I believe in 2023, the stigma of sexual abuse is, is getting uh, it's getting weaker little by little. Um, but it's, it's taken the work of you and Bill and myself and, and everyone else working together over time to get where we're at today. And I think by no means are we victorious yet, but I do believe we're making strides, and that's powerful.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I, I believe that it's coming out now. More people are talking about it, and um, I do know that. Oh, good lord! Yes, there there, there are groups out there that um, say we shouldn't look at the pedophiles like we do. You know, we shouldn't even call them pedophiles. We should, we should call them something else. And I forget what it was. I know what I was calling them, but we won't discuss that. You know, but, you know, we shouldn't look at them. In other words, they're mentally ill people. Look, I don't care, because I used to work in gravestone. I don't care if they're mentally ill or what, okay? Their their brains are wired differently than our brains, okay? And then also, too, once we are... Um, Abused, then our brains become wired differently than what they were supposed to Because it damages our brain And there's a certain area of our brain that gets, you know, down the cortex and up in the other areas Um, You know, they may may get affected That can affect memory It can affect, um, you know, how you normally feel about things Sensory, all kinds of things And um, so we become a little bit different also And this is part of our problems many times, you know, of trying to heal and become normal, okay, normal, (laughs) and because we've gone through so much. So there's a lot of work that has to be done even within ourselves. But we make wonderful advocates, you can be sure of that, because who better to speak than those of us who have walked that road. You know, we've walked there, we've been there. We were a part of all the insanity, if you want to look at it in a mental way, of the perverts, a perversion of sexual abuse, like you were speaking about before, the perversion of it. Now, I don't feel sorry for them. No, this is how I'm, I'm telling you, like it is. Yeah. Um, I don't feel sorry for them, and, and quite frankly, um, I have a problem uh, dealing with um, the, the actual act from the pedophile, okay, if it's a pedophile. Um, those who like those who are like 12 years and younger, okay, um, they're the actual pedophiles. Now, the ones that abused me, I was abused so many times, Tina, I'm not even going to tell you the number, but the, the point is this. I don't forgive them because, you see, they knew what they were doing and they didn't care. They have a compulsion. Yes, that might be where the mental illness comes in. Um, they're, they're, they're like a uh, they're like a bat that wants to bite you in the neck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know they 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 have their 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 urges or needs and all this other stuff. That doesn't take away. They know what they're doing because they know it's wrong. They see the news. They they hear people talking um, and all this other stuff. And they know it's not the right thing to do. They know they can go to jail. You know. Um, they don't get sentenced nearly long enough a lot of times, and that's unfortunate, okay? Um, I look yeah. into all of that, too. I do a lot of research, so, and I know what happened in my case, so, you know, with the Staten Island dude. All right, so the point is the sentencing should be much, much stiffer, okay? And um, yeah. so I have my own feelings on that because of of uh, what I've been through and then just common sense, common
2: sense. And I, And I agree with you, Carol, because a grown man's interest sexual interest in a child, I believe is an an unnatural act mm-hmm. right it's It's unnatural for a grown man to have sexual interest in a child. Um, I believe it's unnatural, and it is the child has no ability um, or authority or even the strength to do anything the child is very vulnerable that's why when we say it's never it never was your fault it truly was never your fault and also you were in a place in a position to be dominated right to be controlled and to be manipulated so therefore the child it's never going to be their fault. And so, until we look at this from a position of why can't this why can't the child's interest be dominant, right? What about the child's welfare, right? What about the child, the child's care? We need to look at that. And I agree with you on the laws. And I agree with you that uh, it's going to be up to us to make those changes, right? To make the to advocate for the laws and to advocate for the children because they are very vulnerable and it's highly unfortunate. um, But things need to change in this nation and in the world because our primary concern needs to be the children and their welfare and their care. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree with that too, with you. And I'm glad you released me from that because, look, um, I believe in forgiving people for certain things, okay? And I'm not trying to be selective here. But when you rape a child, okay, or if you kidnap, and that makes it even worse, you know, that causes it, you know, COP and all that stuff there, the complex post-traumatic stress disorder, um, because that's just another trauma added on top of a trauma, okay? You're being taken a far away from home, right? And so, um, so you have far more even to, to deal with. And if it's repetitive, that makes it much much worse. Also, I don't have to tell you this because you already know this. You have your PhD, but yeah. just talking to the people um, that who suffer from complex, you know, post traumatic stress disorder, and um, yes, the DSM five is having a little problem with that. I think that they should look at that as a true problem, mental illness, the complex, yeah. you know, yeah. So anyway. What what I'm trying to say here is, um, you made me feel better because okay, um, I can forgive people for almost anything, but that's one thing I know that they know is wrong, and still they do it, and they should go get help if they can. But then again, studies show that you can't help them.
2: You know Correct. Correct, and, and therein lies the the issue of. And I'm I'm the first one to, uh, I wrote about it. I believe when it comes to forgiveness, you can't push someone to forgive and you can't manipulate someone to forgive. And if someone, um, again, when it comes to child sexual abuse, it's such a severe uh, social crime, right? It's, it is a criminal act. And unfortunately, Our legal system doesn't look at it as a severe criminal act. That's why a lot of times when uh, in court proceedings, it'll be a lesser sentence, right, to where it's not even, it's like, um, I don't know the term uh, right now, but it's a a term in which the sexual abuse is, is kind of dismissed and it may be like a minor assault. Right. The the validity the validity of the pain is not recognized and the validity of the um crime is not fully recognized. And that's that's unfortunate because these children, um, you and I, everyone listening, there was a price to pay. Right. And that was that price is not ours. Do you get what I'm saying? We were victimized at the hand of someone who Overwhelmed us, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and that can't be dismissed, right? And I know there's a heavenly court in which God operates, and He's the justice of it all. But America needs to wake up and really value our children in such a tremendous way that the the laws and the verdicts and the sentencing will be different. They'll be in the in the favor of the children,
1: right? Well, it's it's like with the first-time offenders. I'm going to go to Lori. Um, the first-time offenders, um, that doesn't mean that they only offended one time. It means that they got caught for the first time. So what they found out is that many times they have actually abused 128 times. So that means maybe 10 times with one kid, right? 15 times with another kid, 5 times with another kid, no matter how you jumble the math around it comes to approximately 128 times. Well, that, that see, I have a problem with the law there because my vision of this is you do it once and you have the same problem as a person who's done it 50 times, okay, because the problem's the same. And if you, you only, only did it once, you're going to continue to do it. You're not going to stop doing it. So, therefore, your crime is the same as his crime, and, therefore, you should get the same type of sentencing because – Quite frankly, these people don't change. They've been looking at this for decades, Tina. Decades yes. of study, and and you know that. And um, they haven't come up with anything yet. Okay. Correct. So let let me go to Lori. Let's. I know she's sitting there. She wants to say something. I can hear it. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, I grew up with the pedophile father. Oh my God! One to sixteen, the man never took a day off. Everybody else though knew him as the most fun-loving person, playing out you know the guitars and all that crap. A very sociable side to him, but nobody would have guessed him to be one. And when I finally came out, nobody, of course, believed me. And I eventually just ended up leaving. But so he's up until the last time I saw him, he must have been in the '70s, and he was talking about what he's going to do to my niece. She was born in his house, and that's when I went public with everything. And of course, nobody was my friend, but I didn't care. You know, even the mother, she just wanted to live rent free and have lots of food, lots of money for her drugs. She didn't care about a kid. So, yeah, I, I mean, from then to now, I've seen the growth. Um, it's slow. And people still, you know, are shy, but they're not totally turned off. My only wish is that it gets better and then as soon as it, it can even get accepted the way they talk about cigarettes, it should be just the same thing. This is what cigarettes do. This is what child abuse does. This is what lupus does. And, so all through the medical stuff, you know, give out all the information and whatnot. You know, it's gotta be. And it did start. So definitely what you're doing is awesome. Definitely awesome.
1: I think so too. Yep. Absolutely. I think that, um, she's you know, really working hard at this and go to her website and, and I, don't, maybe did, um, Lori, I don't know, maybe you did, um, I don't know. But um, what we have to do is click on the on the front page of NASCA and just click on her name right now, and you can go right to her website, and that's how I did it. And and I saw that they're building, you know, the structure. How far along are you with that now? Uh,
2: we will be ready probably in two weeks. We have to put up the light, and uh, we have our cameras. Thank God we're going to set up our cameras and the audio, and we'll be ready to roll. Uh, and I call it season three, even though uh, we we took off like a full year because of funding. We didn't have the funds, but once we received this grant, we went full uh, steam ahead. And our goal is maybe, I believe, uh, in two months, once we get the lighting and a little bit more, uh, we have to put up the cameras and all that, but then we'll be ready to go. And our whole philosophy is to – I have a friend who's uh, – she's getting her Ph.D., in um, psychology, and she's going to be a part of, and she's a survivor as well, and she's going to be a part of the show. And I featured her several times on the YouTube channel, uh, and her testimony is very beautiful. Um, and we we want to feature other guests to just to be able to tell their story and to encourage them and just to encourage the audience that there is help out there and there are resources out there. And um, no matter where they're at on their journey, that they can reach out and get encouragement and help. Because um, you know this, Carol and Lori, that sometimes it's not easy, right? Sometimes we have very tough days. um, But it's okay because even in the struggle, I believe there's beauty and even in the struggle to help others, uh, it's well worth it because the person, whether it's they're getting this television show or they're getting Lori's clothing or your advice, Carol, it's all about you, right? And if we can help one person, um, then we've done our job. But if we can help hundreds or ten, that's it's just more powerful. And I believe. Um, we're here to help others, right, and to encourage people and to offer them hope and, and just the ability to know that um, it's okay to share your story, right? It's okay to share your story of sexual abuse. And most importantly, you're accepted. And no matter where you're at, you're loved and you're cared about, and, and NASCA's here to encourage you. And, I mean, I fell in love with NASCA a long time ago, and when Bill asked me, you know, to help with the 501c3, I was just delighted to be a part of this organization, and I, I love it because it's, it is hope, right? It's hope on the Internet. It's hope on the show. It's, it's hope in regards to encouraging one another. We have that common thread, and no one can take that away, and it's present, you know, and it's beautiful,
1: well, you know, if you ever want to, um, I think we're we're one shy down. Sometimes I run Tuesdays. I ran it not too long ago, um, Tuesday nights. I don't know how, if Bill needs if his need is more for Tuesday or Thursday, I have to look and see. Okay. But if you ever want to come on and, and do that monthly, okay, you know, come on the show monthly. If you'd like to do that again, it's up to you. Or if yeah. you want to uh, come on and be a part of the panel, Um, You're a wonderful person to have on the panel Um, You know Because you're so so good at what you do You know I have a lot of respect for you I absolutely do And uh, I told Bill that too So um, you know Anything that you want to do with NASCA Or if you want to come on Maybe six months from now Say and tell us how you're doing With your project you know With uh, everything that you're doing there Um, And certainly you know, will will help promote you because I I certainly will. I know that because and Lori, for God's sake, we very much believe in, in trying to help each other, you know, to promote each other and um so forth because this is what it's all about. It Absolutely. is we the survivors. It's we the survivors who have the yeah. mouth for this, okay? We know what to say because we lived it.
2: Yeah. And I think that's why we've all been brought together, in all honesty, because someone on the other end of this uh, broadcast is scared, right, to tell the truth, and they're scared to tell their story. And I think mm-hmm. we've all been there, right, just oh, to be scared. Yeah. And oh, I do not want anyone to know? And, you know, they're going to look at me differently. Well, all of that doesn't matter because the truth is very liberating, And the truth is very powerful. And if I learned anything, is that our stories or testimonies or our history is rich. And when it can help someone out, just like this young lady that was reaching out to me on Facebook about her family. You know, I told her, it's okay not to go to the family function. It's okay to focus on your recovery right now. And she's going to college, and she's doing a lot of outreach, and just she's really focusing on herself. And I told her, you know, this is wonderful. Your progress is wonderful. But just know it is okay to stay away from the man who hurt you, that father or not. It's okay to just distance yourself so you can heal. And really, I also shared with her, you don't owe any excuse to anybody. You owe yourself the time and the opportunity to heal. That's the most important thing right now.
1: Absolutely. Well, if any time she wants to come on when she's ready, okay, yes. to uh, tell her story, okay, you work with her so you know, okay, um, she's certainly welcome to come on the show. We give her the platform let her tell her story. That would be wonderful. And get a hold of me let me know, and I'll arrange for it, you know, on Fridays. So, um that's a good thing to do, yeah. So, you know, I just want you to know that you're so welcome to uh, come back. And um, we miss you while you were gone. Every once in a while, I'd look, look at your name. Hmm. I wonder what she's doing. Hmm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now I see what you've been doing, okay? And um, it's it's good that you're you're doing a wonderful thing, Tina.
2: Thank God. And, and
1: Thank God. I, uh, Absolutely. And uh, so this is something that I really want to get out there. I believe in promoting, you know, people that I believe in. Okay, I do that. So you come on the show anytime you want, and and think about the once a month, okay, and let me know, okay, because I'll talk to Bill. Okay, because uh, I don't know how you feel about that, you know. Think about it. I don't know. And um, you have my email address, so you know. I'll give you my phone number Everybody's got it anyway I'm on the contact list <laughs> You know, It doesn't matter I'm, But I'll give you my telephone number It's um, 908-857-2455 So it's an easy one So um, you can call me I'm right on the contact list I'm the night owl I'm retired right now <laughs> But anyway um, Yeah you know, call me anytime you want if you want to come on the show once a month or if you want to, um, you know, just come on the show, whatever. You know, Absolutely. This is, this is your home. And remember what I said to you earlier. If you want to bring a couple people on, that's fine. Okay, make it a Friday night because you and I have spoken. And... Um, you know, if there's someone you want, you know, to come on for whatever reason, um, you know, they can come on. Just let me know their name so I know who I'm looking at, okay, on the studio here. And um, that's it. Yeah, they're welcome, okay, is what I'm saying. All right?
2: Yes, yeah, I appreciate that.
1: So we're we're almost at of time. Um my computer clock is off, I, and I'm not very computer literate in some ways. <laughs> and I touched it before, and I lost the screen.
2: Aha! All
1: right, now I know what time it is. There we go. We've got 90 seconds. Um, so I have to work on my computer. But anyway, um, please do come back any you want. Okay. You're asker. I definitely will. All right. And, um, so this is the end of the show, and we had a very good show, and I thank you so much, and we'll talk again soon, okay? Yes,
2: yeah, thank you, dear. thank you
1: okay, good night now, and good night, Lori. I'll talk to you in a little while, alright? Yeah,
2: okay, good, good night,
1: good night good night Philip. he's got his he's on blue, okay.